Welcome to the Socialista Podcast, a collection of stories from Las Vegas creatives. My name's Brianna, and I'm going to be your guide to the city of Las Vegas, where I will be unveiling the stories of all of our amazing creatives, makers, entrepreneurs, and community changers. Welcome back to the Socialista Podcast, everybody. Today, I have a really cool guest on the show, so I'm here with Ryan Brunty of Depressed Monsters. Hello. Hey, glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, round two. Yeah, just hanging out in the small house. Yeah, round Tiny t- house. Yes, it's very comfortable and cozy in here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so why don't we just jump right into it. Can you tell me where you're originally from and what growing up was like? Sure. Uh, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, yeah. Um, another one. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because when I was a kid... A lot of people uh, thought it was weird to hear that. They're like, oh my God, you were born and raised in Las Vegas? That's weird. Yeah, they call you unicorns, right? Yeah, used to. I feel like it's not as rare anymore mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's obviously like a much bigger city now. But yeah. like being a kid, like you could ride three-wheelers around in the desert and it was it was cool. Not, I'm not saying it was better, but it was mm-hmm. better. Yeah. So. Yeah, so... At least from what I've seen, the city itself has expanded a lot. Yeah. Have you actually, like, witnessed and experienced... I'm guessing you've experienced that growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely different. Oh, that's probably not good for podcasting. Just no, you're good. taking a swig of water and putting a cap <laughs> you're on. You're good. It's like an ASMR video now. <laughs> We're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> you're good. It's like saying moist on the radio. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, it's definitely been crazy watching uh, Las Vegas grow as a city because... Um, you know, when I was a kid, like I said, it was just, it was a lot of desert, you know? And so mm-hmm. you could get on a bike and just ride through the desert or there was across from my grandma's house. Cause my grandma and grandpa lived here too. Uh-huh. Um, it was like, now there's like a Smith's and like a huge shopping center, but it was just like these huge, uh, valleys and, and, and things. And you can, they had little two wheelers you could ride through there. And it was really fun. Cause it was like, it was almost like living in a small town. Yeah. Which is weird to say because Vegas is, I mean, Vegas is gigantic now. Yeah. But it definitely has that feel in some parts of the city. Yeah. Um, cause the area that I'm from I live in like Centennial Hills so it's very northwest and I understand that feeling of like seeing the growth and I don't know even I've only been here for less than a year and I'm still like oh no stop growing yeah because like that where I am I can walk into the desert it's like 200 feet from my house and there's the mountains and it's gorgeous and now they're they're adding like new neighborhoods and they're adding a Smith's and like this big plaza and they're building a Red Rock. Yeah. I, uh, I already feel like I have ownership. I'm like, stop building. Yeah. This is my view. What are you doing? <laughs> I think that that's kind of interesting though. Cause I feel like I had to let go of a lot of that ownership, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like, cause there was a while, I think probably when I was like in my early twenties or late teens, I was just like, what is happening to the city? You know, like, yeah. felt like I was like 65 or something. I was like, what is happening to my city? <laughs> right. It's so much better back in the day. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Get yeah. off my lawn, you kids. Um, <laughs> but now it's like, you know, it's really cool to see the growth now because I mean, it's just, there's so many opportunities for creative types now. And yeah, for sure. it almost like, I, I feel like Vegas is like a, a more tight knit LA. I mean, you can make any connection here that you can in LA and, and mm-hmm. really grow it and, I think, I mean, it's just as good as it's ever been. I mean, I wasn't like a creative kid or trying to sell my art or anything like that, so I can't really put too much of a comparison on it, but yeah. I'm, I'm liking I'm liking the way that it's going. No yeah. complaints here. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of like unanimously, unanimously, 
I can't talk. That's okay. I'm I went do that to college. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. I yeah. think a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the pos- They feel pretty positive about the change and the growth that they see here. And I think specifically downtown is what a lot of people are drawn to. Sure. Since they obviously with the downtown project and everybody who's here they're trying to like beautify it and just make it more of a creative and like local friendly area totally yeah and i think that um i mean it definitely helps being keyed into everything too and like Mm -hmm. kind of having friends that are that are responsible for a lot of the changes and i feel like i've kind of always been involved in a cool way of the development like uh back when downtown was really starting to to come about i was working for insert coins which was a really cool video game bar right on fremont street and so i was working with chris who owned it like doing all of his digital presence and so i was able to really see the growth of like downtown before insert coins was like the griffin and beauty bar and that was basically the go-to's and downtown cocktail room so michael cornthwaite and and they were doing like really cool stuff but it was just a small little community he had a bunch Mm -hmm. of like gutter punk kids that would just go drink yeah. a beauty bar and then see like no effects play or something like that like it was cool because it was like in the middle of nowhere and like uh-huh. fremont street was whatever yeah and now it's like it's definitely cool to see that building into what it is now honestly it seems like there's a new restaurant popping up like every month or so yeah. they just opened one today actually i'm trying to think is that eureka, eureka? Yeah, yeah they just opened today that we're recording this on february 12th so like it's really cool to see that people are able to just start their start their dreams yeah although there could be less restaurants and yeah <laughs> less pizza places and bars but you know it's, you feel like there's a lot of pizza places i feel like there's a lot of the same two opening up like there's a lot uh, of places that charge 30 dollars for a cheeseburger because it has like where are you going deer blood in it or something oh, you know? God. <laughs> like, like there's all these like a muscle infused cheeseburger with goat cheese and all of a sudden it's like a $40 hamburger like yeah "Yeah, I guess that's kind of true I don't know I haven't been to too many of the restaurants but definitely I even feel like some of like the cafes here not to like shame or say they're too expensive because their stuff is really good yeah like some of the stuff is a little pricey and it does hinder me like if I'm just quickly grabbing a bite and like I don't want to pay like 15 bucks for lunch I just want to get my coffee and go that's why I love market where bronze cafe took over and they have like really good sandwiches and salads no I haven't been there yet yeah there's a lot of good I mean evil pie's got the six dollar special yeah pizza and a beer so I can go off on food forever I love food (laughs) (laughs) I'm a true foodie so this is this could be a whole nother podcast we'll just like do talking food yeah we'll have like a whole spread out i think that could be a good i idea. love that idea <laughs> we'll we'll work that um but yeah i wanted to talk about how you were as a kid what it was like going through school and kind of bringing me up to speed today sure um i feel like as a kid i was i was definitely like a nerdy kid and so i would always wear like x-men shirts and star wars shirts and i'd always talk about like uh you know, I'd have discussions with my friends about Bosk's spaceship, the Houndstooth being faster than Boba Fett's Slave One spaceship, oh and you know, like really nerdy stuff. <laughs> you would get along with my boyfriend really well. <laughs> he would be so in tune with that. Like it's like that was the stuff that really fascinated me as a kid, like reading all the expanded universe of Star Wars novels and finding out why Timothy Zahn was better than uh, Jay Anderson. Like you know, just like things like that was really cool to me. But it also wasn't really cool to other people because like in mm-hmm. the '90s. It, it wasn't that cool to be a nerd you know like it hadn't become like the forefront yeah. of things yet so I was kind of picked on a lot in middle school for that um and then I would like get in with the skater kids and you know I was just trying to find my way you know just mm-hmm. find different cliques like I'd always get along with everybody but I was always really unsure of myself and like uncomfortable in my own skin and so I would like get picked on a lot too 
And so I would always draw as a kid. Like, that would kind of be my escape. Yeah. And so I would draw, like, Legend of Zelda, and I'd draw Link, like, fighting Hyrule and Hyrule Are and we, like, best friends now? Because I'm literally <laughs> obsessed with Legend of Zelda. It's the best. Oh, my God. We need to talk I know, more I'm about this. I know. I'm playing Breath of the Wild for the second time. I'm just, like, completely Oh, I'm not it. that far. Okay. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was interesting because, like, like I said, like, Vegas was a really, really small town. And, like yeah. you said, too, it still is a small town. Like, I still see people from elementary school all the time. Yeah. Well, I guess I hear that from locals more. They're, yeah. They they feel the small town. Because, I mean, the Strip, obviously, is the main attraction for a lot of outsiders and tourists here. Yeah. But that's not where community members really are, where they, like, spend their time. It seems like a lot of people are here temporarily. So I can see why it's small town. For me, it's pretty big just because like i actually came from like a farm town in jersey um but yeah you definitely can get those like feels and i guess different parts of the city it's kind of interesting that somebody growing up here that you've had you know even though it seems i don't know how many people are in vegas like what the population is i think it's a couple million i think so yeah i think it's like four million I'm not sure. Yeah, let me check my census. Like data. that number, I don't, I don't know. That number to me seems huge and yeah. like astronomical. So it's like kind of cool to hear. Like you still can see the people that you grew up with. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. We were uh, we were driving in from Boulder City last night, and because we went to the Dam Festival oh, yeah. in the historic theater, and we were driving in, and we saw like the skyline, and it was. I had like this really moment of, of like wowness i guess you can say mm-hmm. um just because i saw how widespread the city is getting you know yeah. like i feel like i've literally seen the city grow from you know this size this is terrible for radio or <laughs> podcast <laughs> it's terrible for radio um but like i've seen it go from here to like all the way to the mountains and it really was like yeah it was it was it was strange for me to see that just because the city is growing in such a crazy way it, it, yeah. it's cool though so but long story long yeah so then i you know in, in, in middle school and all that stuff i was trying to find my way and then um I feel like I was just trying to like bounce from like place to place, friend to friend, figure yeah. out who I was. Middle I started playing school is music. Such a like hard period for anybody. It We're is. all just like I think especially you're trying to f- you're going through adolescence. You're like trying to figure out I guess who you are per se or like who are your people. Right. And then there's always that that um like people are just like so judgmental at that age too and there's a lot of like sad and scary things i think that yeah. happened in middle school hormones so. are tough man oh yeah <laughs> they're the worst they're great <laughs> yeah so yeah so i you know that's that was middle school and then in high school i was like coming into my own a little bit i started mm. playing drums and so music was really important to me and so i really okay. wanted to play like skate punk and things like that and so i was really influenced by uh like blink 182 and green day like any kid was yeah. and uh you know dude ranch and kerplunk were like my go-to albums and so i would skateboard to those and rollerblade to those and We'd build ramps, and I grew up in a house that was like, um, it was out, uh, kind of by South Point, sort of, and so there was a lot of land and desert everywhere, and so we were able to like kind of build dirt jumps, and and I was really outside a lot as a kid, which was yeah. nice, and uh, and then uh, would get lost in video games all night and things like that. It was a pretty normal childhood. Like, yeah, nothing crazy happened, which yeah. was cool. But yeah, drawing was drawing and video games were like my two go to things, mm-hmm. which is so funny because video games are. Is like a multi-billion dollar industry now. And when I was a kid, it was like, get off your damn video games. You're going to rot your brain. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. yeah. I definitely had that from family, too. I, I, I don't know if this was young, but I kind of started playing games when I was five. And I remember, I think in, you're probably around the same age as I am. So probably like, what, 23, 24? Mm, 32. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind then. But thank you. Yeah, no. You <laughs> definitely look a lot younger. I feel young. 
I mean, that's feel not good. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, I feel like that was definitely the conversation, like, go play outside. But I think even now, compared to, like, the generations growing up, you know, I think, I don't know if they're outside as much. Yeah. My siblings aren't, for sure. Yeah, mine either. They're have... on video games all day. Yeah. Oh, this chair's, like, falling down. That oh, was going to no. fall on the ground. Yeah, I come from a big family, and so all my siblings are younger. I'm the oldest, and so it's the same. Like, my siblings were inside a lot. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but they, uh... You know, it was, like, kind of a hassle to go, you want to go outside and do something? And the furthest they would get was the trampoline out back. And that's fine. I'm jump yeah. on the trampoline a little bit. But it was definitely a different childhood than, than my siblings, I feel like. Which uh-huh. I agree with you. Like, phones have kind of changed everything yeah. for people. Like, everybody's on their phones now. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even now, like, I can definitely say I'm on my phone too much. Like, a lot of... What I do on my phone, I guess I can say, oh, I'm doing market research and yeah. I'm trying to like find the people, but really I don't need to be on my phone that much. So it's interesting from, I guess, from our, uh, our generation as millennials, like growing up without this sort of technology and kind of growing into it. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, like you said, everyone is now obsessed with their phones. It's like, crazy. Even older generations, like my grandfather is on his phone That's the all the time. Thing. I feel like the older generation are on their phones more than some of the younger kids. Like we went to the show at the bunkhouse the other night and there was this dude who was just like cheering on the band, but he was going through Facebook in his other hand as the band's playing. And we're like, no one else is on their phones, but I, you know, sorry, I'm not, I'm not being judgy, but you know, it is interesting. You can definitely notice it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Facebook is like a big thing for Facebook's evil, man. Like (laughs) the way they, I don't know. I don't want to get into politics and stuff. No, no, no. The way they did that stuff with the election was pretty crazy. Anywho, let's get back on track. (laughs) I know, we're all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, is your family, I guess, artsy? Where did you... 100% no. Okay, so... Yeah, it's really, it was really interesting. Um, they, my family is like a big construction family, so everyone... And okay. I, and, and I think construction's an art form, for sure. Oh, yeah. I think to be able yeah. to build something out of nothing is the, the pure definition of art. If you can take nothing and build something beautiful or, you know, anything... And so they just don't see themselves as artistic. And so, um, but it's, which is funny to say though, because my brother is like this amazing sculptor. Mm-hmm. Like he can take clay and he can make anything he wants out of it. Like we'll just be playing with clay and he makes like these beautiful little figures and stuff. He's like, look what I made. I go, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, like, and in my brain, I'm like, dude, you could sell that. Right. <laughs> yeah. The businessman in you. Yeah. You could go, you could go to the art fairs and sell that stuff. Like that's, th- people would love that. And yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. And then he like destroys it. Um, but yeah, so no, my family's definitely not artistic. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, well, my, I'm related to the Bronte sisters. So Charlotte and, uh, Emily Bronte who wrote like Weathering Heights and stuff like Uh that. And so I feel like I identify more with that than Uh I do with my direct family just because like, try to grasp at anything. But yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. There's no, there's really no artistic people in my family, which is funny because I think when I started painting and stuff like that, there was kind of like a, well, that's cute. Right. That's cute that you're doing that. Yeah. So, but yeah. So you don't think they, like, took you seriously at first when you were... Well, you said you were drawing, like, as a kid, so usually... Yeah, I think it's, like, different when you see a kid drawing and then when a full-grown, you know, full-grown adult's like, I think I want to really do this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, my mom's probably the most supportive person I know, and so she... My mom is like beyond supportive anytime I release anything she's like oh my god I love it I want it you know and uh if she could buy everything I ever made she totally would um (laughs) she's I love my mom um and my dad's super supportive too I think you know what maybe I answered that 
prematurely. My dad is artistic too. He plays guitar and he was in okay. bands growing up and stuff. Okay. But he just never really dedicated himself to it in the sense that like it was just a hobby for him. Mm-hmm. But he is artistic, so I guess I lied. Yeah. So long, you know, long answer, long. No, that's cool. And you said you played the drums. Oh yeah. So I can. That was probably influenced by your dad. Yeah, I'd say bit. so. Yeah. yeah. In third grade, he tried to get me to play uh, guitar. And, like, when you're a kid, you don't want to ever do anything your parents tell you to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, hey, guitar. And I had little drawings. I have this little journal that I had when I was in third grade. And there's a drawing of me smashing a guitar. And it says smashing guitars because I used to love smashing pumpkins. And oh. I just hated it. And so then I started playing uh, drums. Oh, I played oboe. Nice. <laughs> and then I played alto sax. Shout out to oboe drums. Yeah. <laughs> oboe stuff. Ugh. Yeah, I never got into it, but I knew a couple oboe players. Yeah. And- wasn't my forte. I think you know, uh, if you know a couple oboe players, that's like a couple more than anybody else knows. Yeah, I was a, I was a big like choir and like nice. band nerd, so I always hung out with. Uh, I can relate to being the nerdy kid in school and like people being like, oh, like what are you doing? You're not cool. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> but yeah. So who would you say um, inspires you? Whether that be another artist or somebody in your family, like what inspires what you do now? Um, I think I'm kind of inspired by different things every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to look at other visual artists because it's really easy to have that seep into your brain and then you start seeing it in your work. Yeah. Um, I think right now I'm really influenced by sunsets, and so I've been using that color palette a lot, so blues and pinks and oranges and things like that. So every every day I try to go look at the sunset, just because Vegas has amazing sunsets. Yeah, um, we do. So I think I'm really influenced by that. As far as like people go, uh, I try to find influence in music a lot, and so mm-hmm. uh, I've been listening to the new MGMT album for the past couple days. That one's really good. Whenever I paint, I always have music kind of blasting. Um, yeah, I think it'd be that. And then I try to... I've been doing a a new showcase at the Brooklyn Bowl once a month where I'm booking uh, like local artists and stuff like that. And so yeah. we're trying to showcase um, emerging artists and... Or not emerging artists, but like top of the line artists from, from Vegas and Nevada yeah. as a whole. And just showcase like who's doing really cool stuff in Nevada. And so... I've been really listening to a lot of local artists lately, uh-huh. and so I really love the stuff that, like Brett Bolton does with like Kid Meets Cougar, and um, I've been listening to a lot of that. I've been listening to a lot of my friends in Old Wildly, and uh, my friend Mark, who's in Nuisance. I've been listening to a lot of that lately, just trying to find inspiration in like what my friends are making. And yeah, I think it, you know that helps me paint a lot of the times because I'm. Mm-hmm being inspired by my friends who are making cool stuff so yeah I want to talk about that a little bit more so growing up and now doing what you do do you feel like the scene for local artists whether they be painters or craft makers or musicians do you think there was a platform for them or no no that's why I approached Brooklyn Bowl to like help out with that because I think Vegas is a Vegas is a really accommodating city but it's a really tough city Mm -hmm. because we don't really have like a pillar we don't have like a a clear ladder for people to climb to reach success and like you know what is success you can kind of dictate that yourself i mean one person's success is another person's failure you know so but to answer your question no i don't i don't think that there's like a clear-cut way to do anything in in the city which is exciting for me because i love that i love like when there's no when it seems like something's really impossible to do like let's find a way to do it you know like yeah well you're kind of like molding molding it for yourself you're right you're making you're cutting the way the path, i mean that's I kind of like the vegas 
way to do it, you know, yeah. kind of make your own odds and things like that. So when I, so Brooklyn Bull put out this Facebook post a couple of weeks ago and they're like, what local, what, what artist do you want to see in 2018 um, at Brooklyn Bull? And so I was just like, I sat there and looked at it and I was just like, man, it'd be so cool if there was like a way to showcase, uh, you know, Vegas talent at Brooklyn Bowl because I was in a my last band and I we played at the Road to Life is Beautiful at the Brooklyn Bowl and we played there for four nights and oh, wow. I remember just going, Man, this is like an amazing stage. Yeah. I wish everybody could experience this. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted Brooklyn Bowl and I was like, Hey, like this post people are like responding to it. Like it got like so many likes, so many comments and I was like, Is this something we can actually do? Because I would love to help out with this and Chris over Brooklyn Bowl was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we've mm-hmm. been working on it for the past couple months. We just had our first one uh, last month with a wildly Mike Xavier and the All Together's. We're going to start incorporating like local uh, visual artists. We're going to try to bring cool. filmmakers into it, music videos. Like, I think it's, to me, I feel like this is the first step in making like local Vegas talent more accessible. Yeah. Like my analogy was that LA has a Sunset Boulevard, you know, the strip down there and like mm-hmm. the eighties, like Guns N' Roses and LA Guns were playing there and people would just come and see them because you were right. building up the like this this fan base for local talent and I feel like Vegas is a town that builds things and destroys them and we should be doing the opposite for creatives hmm. here in town. You know, yeah. like there should be everyone should be helping each other out and Yeah. That's that's definitely like I guess the first time I've heard that building building people up and then kind of destroying it. Yeah, I mean, because anybody, people only talk about the killers and Imagine Dragons here in town, which is fine, you know, I love the killers, Imagine Dragons are kind of boring to me, but... Were the killers from here? Yeah, killers were from here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Brandon Flowers went to Chaparral. Oh. And, uh, and then, uh, Ronnie was in the, he was in a band called Attaboy Skip for a while, which was, they were really cool. They had a Ghostbusters cover that was awesome. Um, (laughs) they were like a ska band. And so, uh, I lost my train of, my train of thought was, too much coffee today. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, people are always talking about those two bands, mm-hmm. but, like, Imagine Dragons, when they were playing in town, no one cared about them because they didn't have a name to them. Like, they were playing O'Shea's all the time, and, like, yeah. I have old posters from when I was in bands, like, a long time ago, and they were playing, like, at Jillian's for, like, music summits and stuff, and they weren't even headlining that because, like, okay. Vegas is a town that, like, if, unless you have a name, no one cares about you. Right. Like, you have to make your name, and then people go, oh, yeah, I've always loved them. And so it's like, it's tough in that sense because yeah. how are you supposed to build that name when no one's coming to see you and you're playing the same venue every night? And Yeah, I guess that's true because again, like we have such an influx of tourists who come here. I mean, I don't think they're really going to know who the local artists are. So if yeah. you don't have that name or if you're not at one of the casinos that night, like how are you, yeah, how are yeah. you going to do that? And which is cool because... Uh, we've been talking to uh, the, the people that are running a merge festival and they're trying to solve that problem too, by like mm-hmm. highlighting the up and coming artists, uh, you know, in Vegas and nationwide and bringing yeah. the tastemakers to town. And I think that's an amazing thing. Like Mike and Rayhan are doing God's work right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, which right. I think is awesome. And, um, fully supportive of that. And I think that, you know, especially after the shooting in October, I think that people are looking to support, Vegas talent and Vegas creatives in a, in a mm. new and uh, invigorating way and I think that anybody that's helping do that is on the right track yeah for sure because there's so much talent in the city oh there it's is insane. I, I, like literally every corner you turn yep it's it's phenomenal especially like again not living here that long and then just seeing the wealth of talented people here is amazing and I would have never expected that at all. Yeah. So 
it's good to see. It's like a little diamond out in the desert. Yeah, and it's also nice to show people, like, oh, look what this person's doing. Or, look, we have these, like, I'm going to this cool concert. Oh, who is it? Well, you probably don't know them, but, like, it's <laughs> it's really cool, especially because my family, a lot of times, they'll think, like, oh, what are you doing? Like, are you spending your money? Are you gambling? And all the time I get from my grandmother, she's like, oh, I'm worried about you. I'm like, why? Really? Yeah, well, she's very protective, and love her. She's a saint, but... Um, I was, I grew up in a small town, so I was very sheltered and she's like, I'm just worried about you. You're in a big city. And when you're out at night, I, don't, I just don't know what to think. And I'm like, no, like you're getting the wrong concept of Vegas. Like just tell her there's more churches in Vegas per <laughs> square, like per area Probably, than any other right? city. I yeah. think that's like a real fact. I don't Is know, it? Know. That would it's be like, hilarious. Facts are like made up all the time. So yeah. Maybe, maybe I just made that but up. But I think like still people... If you're not here, if you're not in it, you don't know about it. And sure. You're not going to seek out anything, I don't think. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. But, yeah, why don't we talk about Depressed Monsters okay. while you're here? So, tell me tell me about that. Why why that came to be and your inspiration behind that. Um. Okay. So, So yeah. So, I guess I'll kind of bridge the gap of being a kid and, like, mm-hmm. how this came about. So, yeah. I was kind of always, like, trying to find my way. And, like, figure out what made me tick. And, um, like, as a kid, I was always, like, the kid that would have a birthday and then just be so sad afterwards, like, at, like going to bed. And I know that's, like, pretty common with kids, but I would just, I wouldn't be sad because, for any other reason, then I was like, I can't live this day again. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't live this day again. You know, like, I'm so mm-hmm. sad. And, like, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I, I really had depression as a kid. And, yeah. you know, I come from a stoic family, so no one would really talk about it. You know, I'd see it in other people in my family, but I didn't, there was really never a word for it. Right. So I was just like, oh, I'm just sad, I guess. And so I really identify with, like, sad music and stuff like that. And to anybody else, like, oh, why is, you know, this kid's sad? Like, what's, you know, what's going on? And so as I got older, I started, uh, you know, realizing certain things about myself. And in college, I had my first, like, uh, suicidal thoughts and, you know, bouts of depression and things like that. I still didn't know what these things were. It was just kind of like, what is going on? You know, maybe I'm just sad for this instance and then I'll get past it. Right. And, uh, you know, like there's really no discussions about mental health or anything like that no, back then. Yeah. And so um, I kind of just started devoting myself to working a lot. And so I, I worked in a, a, a hospital washing dishes to pay my way through college. Um, that I'd focus on that for a while. Um, got got through college. I went out to Arizona for two years. I came back to UNLV and finished up. I graduated in marketing. And then I started working at different places here in town. Um, and then uh, in 2012 or 2011, I started a uh, an art collective with my friend Jacob, and we did uh, this thing called the 80s Kids. And so the way that started was like I was just kind of doodling on something. And even then, I didn't think I was an a, a quote artist, you know. Mm-hmm. I just kind of doodled things. Yeah. And uh, he saw some of those doodles and he was like, dude, that's that's like really, really good. We should we should do something. And so we and since I came from the marketing side, I, of course, my brain was like, oh, yeah, I can market the heck out of that. You know, let's do yeah. it'll be 80s focused and we'll have a TV. And I've always been really obsessed with drawing TVs. Um, I think it's because I watched a lot of Simpsons, you know, and so yeah. the TV was always the focal point. And so we kind of like one night just decided, OK, we're going to do 80s inspired art and then make you know TV will be the logo of it. And so we did that for a long time. We were like a staple at First Fridays. We did a lot of events here in town. We did a lot of cool collabs with other artists. And so mm-hmm. it was cool because I got to like kind of like um, uh, kind of got to uh, figure out how things happen here in town in the art world and meet gallery yeah. owners and things like that. 
but my passion was never really in it. I didn't really want to put Han Solo on a Weird Al Yankovic body and say, this is my art, you know? <laughs> I wanted to own something. I uh-huh. wanted something to be mine. And so I kind of started drawing these monsters at the time. It was basically like inspired by like uh, the Universal monsters, like uh, f- uh, when they make Frankenstein movies and Bride of Dracula or uh, Bride of Frankenstein and uh-huh. The Mummy and things like that. And so I would do these things where I would do like, I had this really distinctive way of drawing them and then I would put the monster head on it and then I would think of different phrases. So like... It would say, um, like, it would be like a ghost head, and it would say, I feel invisible. Or it would be like, Frankenstein, I used to feel alive. And then I used, to, and then it would be like, I used to, you know. Yeah. Because I was going through some things. And, and then 2012, my, uh, my grandfather passed. And so those monsters came about when he got sick. And then when he passed, I ended up not leaving my house for two weeks. And, uh, like, uh, it's still hard to talk about this. Yeah. Um, so I didn't leave my house for two weeks and I lost my job. I was working two jobs at the time. I lost both of those jobs. Wow. Um, I didn't leave my couch for a long time. Like I really, you know, the, the, the culmination of all those things really hit me hard and like the most serious doubt about a depression I ever had. And so to get out of it, I started doing these self portraits and I would draw mm-hmm. little, little monsters or I would draw little, um, just little characters or, you know, one day it would be a human, one day it would be a monster, one day it would be a turtle, one day, you know, just yeah. kind of just drawing to draw because that's all I knew at the time. I lost yeah. everything else. I lost friends. I lost, uh, you know, the support of family because no one knew how to deal with someone that's like that sad, you know? Yeah. I mean, even to the point where like other family members were just like, you know, it's time to get over it, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is never something you should say to somebody. Right. Everyone deals with grief in their own way. Um, and so one day... I was drawing and this little Yeti came out and it was, it was Yerman. And so I watercolored it and I drew it and I stood back and I go, Oh wow, that's, that's exactly how, how I feel right now. Like I feel like, you know, like I feel covered in fur and itchy and, but I also feel like, uh, you know, there's just something about that drawing that encapsulated everything. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, cause I would share these things to Twitter and that was the first time that one of them really got a really, really po- uh, positive response. You know, like, oh my God, like the eyes and all this stuff. And I go, oh, okay, yeah. maybe there's something in this character. And so that night I used to draw po- poems or I used to write poems with all of them. And that one was, uh, Yerman was a forest dweller. Yerman was a beast. Yerman was a sad feller. Yerman was deceased. And so I was like, oh, okay, there's something seriously going on with this. And that was kind of my turning point where I was like, I got to get out of the house. I got to start really figuring this stuff out. I need to figure out what's going on. And so I went to a coffee shop and uh, Grouchy John's here in town and, and that's when I started like adapting to the real world and coming back to it and trying to figure myself out and like get out of this really serious bout of depression. And so um, I started, you know, drawing this more and really focusing on him as a character. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, I started making shirts and the, the first batch of shirts sold out. And so I did more shirts and then I started doing murals and I have, I I actually, uh, did a mural at Grouchy John's, which was really nice. I've done murals. Uh, I mean, we're sitting across the street from one. There's one on the the building on uh, 11th street records building. Um, you can buy the clothes on Zappos and Amazon and 6 PM and depressedmonsters.com. And I've done talks across the country about it in Rhode Island, New York, um, done creative mornings. Like it's, it's definitely like, it's become my saving grace Uh and it's, helped a lot of people along the way too and uh we donate a portion of all proceeds to mental health charities across the country so we worked with jed foundation clinton foundation um worked with suicide prevention hotline um it's just something that's really important to me and i feel like as time goes by more people are starting to realize the stigma around mental health and the discussion Mm -hmm. of it yeah and more people are starting to devote themselves to it which is really good because it's a 
it's a something that deserves attention yeah for sure and thank you for being such an amazing advocate for it i mean your personal story is really moving and i can see that your artwork has has really been like a fruit from your labor so that's amazing yeah thank you uh anything that i release i try to like i try to have that as the basis of it you know mm -hmm. it's it's not a, you know sometimes i'll draw something just to draw something or paint something just to paint it because it helps me kind of get through something but yeah uh, pretty much everything i paint has a meaning to it or something that i'm going through um yeah i can kind of look at anything that i've made and go oh yeah i remember that time in my life it's almost like a scrapbook which yeah. is which is cool and i know it's not like specific to me i'm sure a lot of artists do that but it's definitely it's been interesting i never thought i never thought that i would call myself an artist mm -hmm. you know it's always been something i'm like oh, i'm not good enough to do that and stuff like that but i think as time goes by i'm more comfortable kind of identifying that way so right it's definitely been an interesting journey yeah that's for sure yeah sounds so i mean like you were saying you have murals all over the place here in town you have 11th street you're at zappos right yeah there's like three at zappos there's one on 11th street there's one on the laundromat next to 11th street that's there's cool. one at grouchy john's uh sure there's more i've painted at coachella life is beautiful um yeah there's been a lot yeah so how were people reacting when you first started showing showcasing your man i was trying to do like a gorilla style approach to it because i'm really influenced by like punk rock culture mm -hmm. and uh like the cool sides of punk rock culture, not like the bash people's teeth in on the sidewalk <laughs> yeah. for drinking, like straight edge culture, but like, you know, like the fun, I love my friends, yeah. I love pizza, pop punk, like skate mm -hmm. punk type culture. Yeah. And so, um, when I first started, um, I was, I went to South by Southwest and I started painting like little watercolors and I would just hide them around Austin. And so people were like, oh, I need to find these, these paintings. And so art drops were like a really cool way of me, like... I was like, I'm not good enough to sell my art, but I'm good enough to have people find it, I yeah. feel like. And so, like, I would do that in Austin. And then anytime I would travel, like, if I, would, I did it here in town a lot. I did it in New York. And so that was my way of being, like, I need to be comfortable calling myself an artist. And I need mm -hmm. to, like, kind of, like, get into it a little bit easier, I guess. Because I didn't go to art school. I didn't, okay. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just kind of, like, figured it out as time went by. And I would kind of just practice in different mediums so mm -hmm. watercolors is what I started off as okay and so I think like hiding the art and saying like you're not buying this but you can have it mm -hmm. you know I think that was to me it helped me alleviate a lot of the pressures of 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 calling myself an artist and getting into it and so that helped me personally a lot and it's yeah. funny because a lot of the people that found those paintings have are still with me today like um there's a woman that found one in Austin and every Christmas she buys her son a Yerman toy and oh, that's cool. like a print and her shirt and stuff yeah. like that. And she every Christmas she sends me a picture of it, and I think it's the coolest thing awesome. in the world. Like that has kept me going year after year. Where I'm like, oh man, I needed to see that. And she always sends me a picture of him opening it, and I think it's just the cutest thing in the world. Like Aww. last year he had like this big smile on his face, and you know, it's just I love that stuff. And I think that's my favorite part about doing this is that like people of all ages kind of identify with it. Mm -hmm. um, I released a book last year called Brains or Buttheads. And that was, it was a children's book, but to me it was more like a, like a children's book for all ages. And okay. so that was kind of, uh, the first time that I wanted to address mental health in like an approachable illustrative way. And the reception to that book's been really cool. Um, yeah, it's just been a really, it's been a good journey Yeah. so far. Yeah. That's amazing. It's really, really cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know one of the messages in 
in some of your pieces it says stay sad and it has Yermin under it or yeah. Yermin with it. So what are you trying to say or tell people about that message? Sure. Um, so that was, I was doing a video shoot with my friend Dalton Campbell. Um, he's doing a series called Creatives and he uh, is filming all of his creative friends and he's showcasing like what makes them tick. And so we were painting on my roof and that was the, that's what kind of came out when I was painting. And at first I was like, Hmm, what does that mean to me? Mm. And then as I started thinking about it, what that means to me is that the stay sad mantra to me is two, twofold basically. So one in the mental health community, you want to avoid the word sad because Mm. that is the opposite of what depression is. Sad is like just a fleeting emotion. Depression is something that lasts longer than that. Yeah. But to me, Anything that opens up a conversation to a family member or a friend mm-hmm. is a good thing. And so yeah. stay sad. If that's what has someone asking, are you sad? Are you well, this? I think that's such a relevant term, especially right. with people who may not understand what you're going through or, or they will truly just see, oh, you're, why are you sad? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And so I think that, and I think I took that from my family because they are so stoic that any kind of conversation topic you can have about mental health is a good conversation to have if it's in a positive and loving light. And so stay sad to me is let's just talk about mental health. And if it starts with saying I'm sad, then that's where it starts. Because honestly, the more that I do public speaking events and the more people come up to me and talk to me about what they're going through, sad is usually the first word that somebody says because people don't have the the conversation points yet. Mm -hmm. And so... Stay, that's, that's what it is to me. Stay sad, stay, you know, stay talking about it. But the second part is to me, when I'm sad is when I'm most creative. And Mm -hmm. so if I can put on a sad song and be upset and get some emotions out on paper, then that's where I'm most comfortable creatively. Um, if you ever see a Yerman smiling, it's because I'm not sad, but if he's not looking super energetic or happy, then I'm definitely like going through some emotions or things like that. And so, um, it was funny because the first time that I painted him smiling was actually at Zappos. It was a 40 foot wall over there. And right away people were like, wait, is your man smiling? And I was like, yeah, well, everything's going all right right now, you know? And uh-huh. so, um, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, staying sad and getting those emotions out can be kind of fruitful sometimes. So yeah, whatever's healthy, like follow what's healthy and what keeps you creative definitely so is Yerman I guess pretty reflective of your mood in that moment when you're painting him so do you go in like say you're you were working on the the mural at Zappos or or you're having a new project do you have a specific like idea or are you just going with like a gut feeling and kind of what your mood is I think it depends on the the gig um like for a lot of things now I mean as I get I guess more professional, I guess would be the word. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you got to sketch the things out first. And so whatever I'm feeling right then, I'll kind of present. Uh Um, Sometimes it'll change, you know, maybe I won't be feeling it that day. Like, for example, the 11th Street Records side of that building, I presented something that was a little bit different. But as we got out there, I was like, okay, we've got to do this. I say we because uh, my girlfriend helps out with all the painting and stuff like that. Who's also sitting right here. Um, But yeah, so when we go out there, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling this. Let's change this up or change this up. And it's usually like still pretty similar, but Mm -hmm. the emotions have to be right for what I'm going through at that point. Yeah. And honestly, if I'm painting a wall, I'm going to be pretty freaking happy. So it's usually going to come out like that. Yeah. Um, Because there really is no like better feeling than I get to paint this wall. And that is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Especially growing up here, like 
I would see a lot of these buildings and just, you know, oh, that's cool. It's a cool building. But that little laundromat that we painted, like, for Life is Beautiful last year, I've always loved that building. I thought it was the coolest building in town. And then when we were up there painting, I was like, I can't believe I'm so lucky that I get to paint this building. And yeah. I need to paint something that is a self-portrait of me. It feels like I'm a part of this building's history now. And I think that, you know, to me, the, the history of Vegas is just as important as adding to the history of Vegas. And it's just really important to me. But yeah, to answer your question, Yerman is always uh, self-portrait and self, it's self-expression for me, basically. And so I feel so, like, bougie talking about it, but... <laughs> Where did that name come from? <laughs> bougie? No, no. Oh. <laughs> bougie. <laughs> no, Yerman. No. Um, no, um, so I'm really into alliteration. And so Yerman the Yeti just felt right at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so at the time it was just, it was a feeling. Um, I did a Creative Mornings talk at Makers and Finders a couple years ago after Life is Beautiful. And someone came up to me after and they said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but if you rearrange the letters in Yerman, it says Ryan me or me Ryan. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Huh. Like all the letters are right there. So I don't know if it was like a subconscious thing or what, but... I just thought Yerman sounded cool, and yeah. it almost reminded me of like a cool band name or something. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and so I always think, when I design shirts or anything like that, I always think of band t-shirts. Yeah. So that's Yeah, kinda... it definitely has that vibe. Like, I've seen some of them on your website, like the uh, Nirvana, like inspired oh, yeah. one. That one's pretty cool. Yeah, that one was... I really wanted to do that one because Kurt Cobain was a huge influence on me musically and artistically, and mm-hmm. the way that he passed was obviously, you know, suicide. Well, not obviously, because it could have been murder, but we can get into that conspiracy theater later. Um, Anyway, but yeah, so the way that he passed, I think, opened a lot of conversation up around mental health and around suicide awareness. And so that was kind of my homage to a legend. And um, I love me some Kurt Cobain. So that was why I decided I probably won't do any more homages to rock bands or anything like that, just because after doing the 80s kids, I kind of like to stay away from intellectual property Mm -hmm. and things like that. But that was like a love letter to Nirvana. Yeah. That's really cool. I wanted to bring up something that we talked about last time that we met. So I know you like briefly mentioned that on, um, like, I guess your branding for depressed monsters, you don't, you rarely like show your face or it doesn't seem like you, you yourself are, are on like your Instagram or anything. Is there like a particular reason or? I think, mm, I used to work in social media. Uh That was like my, my job. And I think I got so tired of seeing how fake social media is. And it gave, mm-hmm. I'll be, I mean, I'll be even more honest. It gave me a lot of anxiety um, looking at social media. And oh, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I would scroll through it, I would just see how perfect everybody's day is. And, and so at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I'm not shit. I'm not doing anything. My friends are more successful than me. And, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, and it was really <laughs> messing with me, you know? Yeah. And so I, I pretty much stopped posting to my personal social media. I'm starting to get back into Twitter a little bit just because I think that um, Twitter can use some positivity. And I try to use it as a positive platform, but it's not mm-hmm. always easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I pretty much stopped posting to my personal Instagram. And when I post to Depressed Monsters, I usually just post the art because I'd rather the art speak for itself rather sure. than um, I don't really want to be a personality behind it. Okay. Um, I do have like a side, a side business called it's a mental health motivational speaker.com. And so that's for all like the public speaking. And so of course my face is on that, Oh, cool. Okay. but I kind of like try to keep them separate just because um, as it grows, like I'd rather it be about your and your journey rather than who I am and get to know the artist, you know, like, yeah, that could change tomorrow. Tomorrow I could start posting selfies and right. <laughs> in Malibu or something. Like, oh, look, I have a Lamborghini. But, um, but I don't think, you know, I just, I like to keep it simple and to the point. And I like to keep it like, this is the artwork. And 
I hope you like it, basically. Yeah. That's how I approach it now. Yeah. To go, This is just a thought I have, but to go back kind of that false happiness that you can see on Instagram or, like, people kind of boasting the positive side of your life, like, in a sense, that's cool. Like, if you're actually having a good day or whatever, like, social media was meant to connect with people. and mm-hmm. But I also feel sometimes on the other side that, all, if all you see is like the good, these people will become idolized and they don't yeah. they don't seem real sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I struggle with that and like with my own personal. Yeah, and I think account. that I mean I also see the flip side that if you if it makes you feel better to post all the great stuff going on in your life, mm-hmm. then more power to you. And I think that's great. And I would never tell someone like oh, I don't like how you post, so you should stop. Like it's your life, it's your social yeah. media. Like post as you want. I just know for me personally, it was hard seeing that all the time. Um, cause I was struggling with a lot of things, you know, in the past few years about like my own self-worth or my own art or things like that. And so it was really deepening that and I didn't want to be in that valley anymore. And so I was trying to like alleviate things that were doing that. And social media was one of the things. Yeah. So, definitely. and I had deleted Facebook off my phone for a while and unfortunately it's back on my, it's found its way back I on feel my like phone. So many people, well, maybe not so many people, but I have definitely heard people who are kind of in the mental health realm or all about self-care. They're like, I just delete my accounts for like a day or two or a week or whatever. And like, yeah. it's just like a mental cleanse. And I'm like, Hmm, I really want to do that. But yeah. then again, I don't know if I, if I could. <laughs> my excuse is like, well, I have to run my depressed monsters page, but right. I'm sure there's a way I could create like a, a fake profile that doesn't have anything on it or any friends. Or to, like, like planning out your posts or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bad with that. <laughs> Me too. I'm the worst planner. Like, everything I post is just, it's oh, this the, would be cool. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, it's funny, because, like, Socialista kind of started out as being, like, content marketing and that sort of thing. So I'm like, oh, I gotta, like, you know, know all the know all the terms and know all the, the different accounts to use when I'm planning out posts and have, like, a monthly calendar. And I'm, to be, for like, honest, I'm just like, I gotta do it in the moment. Because yeah. otherwise, like, it's not gonna feel authentic. Yep. I think authenticity is the most important thing yeah. to keep in mind. Yeah, well, that's that's what I guess I kind of thought about with that conversation. I, again, with people, do you show your real self? Do you only show the good? It's such, like, a, a two-sided well, Maybe there thing. should be a Facebook for depressed people. Hey, you should make it. Why not? Depressed book. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're happy, show it. You know, that's yeah. all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was just something that I've been thinking about yeah. recently. I think it tied in with the conversation a little bit. I mean, I'll bit. post, like, if I, if we're painting a mural, then I'll kind of post, like, me painting it just so people know that I'm actually out there doing it and not just, Yeah, like, like this is me. Jim carrying it and paying a warehouse <laughs> to do his art, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but I want to talk about the public speaking a little bit more since you mentioned that. When and, and how did that start? Did somebody come and approach you? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, I was approached by the Jed Foundation, uh, which is a really cool organization that helps with uh, college-age kids in suicide prevention. Okay. And they were doing an event with The Moth out in New York. And so they flew me out. We did a big workshop in Brooklyn for like two days. And then we did this amazing event at Saatchi and Saatchi Health, which is a, a pretty big healthcare company. Mm-hmm. And we did it in their uh, their main office. And uh, it was awesome. I got to meet people from all over the country. And, you know, a lot of these people were a little bit more established. And so, like, I am a mental health advocate. And I didn't even know the, the verbiage or yeah. the lingo or anything like that. And so I was just like, I have suffered from depression. And this is my story. And it was really cool because... Um, are you like new agey at all? Or do you believe in the metaphysical and things like that? Cause I'm going to tell you a real crazy story. If so, if not, I will totally avoid it. Um, I'm kind of getting into it. I'm okay. like a newbie all around. If you're talking about like crystal healing and stuff, I'm, <laughs> you, don't, you don't charge your crystals in the moonlight. 
I'm getting more into there crystals. We go. So yeah, I could say I'm more since moving here for sure. Like my friend, I have a a friend. She's a bit of a hippie, and I love her so much. But um, shout out to Nicole, I love you. Anyway, she <laughs> she um she definitely turned me on to crystals, and she was really into it. And I was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Like to me, like beforehand, it was just like, oh, they're kind of pretty, and I like them or whatever. And now, since moving here, I've learned so much. But anyway, please talk about it. All right. So my grandpa was a mason. And uh, I know that's not the best way to start like that conversation, but he was a Mason. And so when he passed, I started and I actually was going to join with them and I, I couldn't do it. Like it just wasn't, that's all, you can see that online. That's all part of the other story. Okay. So when he passed, I started like looking into it a little bit about like, uh, what does it mean and all that stuff? And what did he maybe learn? And I started like realizing that there was a lot of like light symbology in Masonry. Uh-huh. And so when I noticed that, I started noticing like, whenever I would think about them or talk about them, lights would start flickering everywhere and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Like lights would do really interesting things and stuff. And it was still pretty fresh. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm just like imagining things and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the first time that something really crazy happened with that was that, uh, when I was at that thing with the moth, we were out in Brooklyn, it was like a snowy day. And so it could have been the snow, it could have been whatever, but we did this two day workshop and we were working with someone with the moth about telling our story, how to craft it, how to have a clear beginning, middle and end, how to really like get your point across all that stuff. And so I would just kind of like, first time I went up, it was like, you know, and then my grandpa died and I started doing self portraits and I was really nervous and stuff like that. And so the guy who was teaching us, he was like this very like, like uh, if you see a movie about like New York plays or something like that, it's like the guy that would be choreographing it. That's how okay. I could describe him best. Yeah. You know, like oh, you know, oh honey, you got to tell it like this and things like that. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let me try to craft a little bit better. And so after two days of that, I was like in it, like I was in it. And so we had our first like um, uh, storytelling event, pre-event in mm-hmm. the warehouse, and so everyone had to get up and tell their story. And so they put me on last. Um, and so I was like, oh shit, because I, I wanted to be second to last cause second to last people forget about you. And then they're like, oh, the headliner, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And so I was like, oh damn it. Now I have to headline this thing. And so, um, so I get up and I'm, I'm about to tell my story. And, uh, I was like, I kind of like mentioned the lights thing cause I just started mentioning it. And so I start telling a story. And as soon as I talk about my grandpa, all of a sudden the lights start going crazy and the heater explodes and it goes, oh, really? oh I was God. like, well, this is, this is interesting. And like, <laughs> so that happened. And then like over the course of the next few years, like lights just started really playing a big role in like uh, my relationship with my grandpa, I guess. And okay. again, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if what it is, but I don't know why I'm telling it on this podcast, but I don't know. It's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, don't, I don't even know how we got on this topic. We're here and yeah. I'm for it. <laughs> um, uh, that makes me like think of, do you think that light or that, that symbology of light if reflects in your work at all? Um, I think so. I think, well, lately I've been drawing a lot of things that reflect that ideal and, uh, mm-hmm. and Shabriel is trying to get me into, uh, some meditation stuff really heavy right now. I shouldn't say trying because I'm super open to it and I'm actually really getting into it. And, uh, I think that's kind of reflecting a lot too in my work. Like, uh, I've been drawing these, uh, this new version of, of Yerman where he has holes in his body mm-hmm. and there's like tentacles coming out or arms or, uh, different things coming out of him. And to me, like that, to me personally, that symbolizes like an awakening of some sort. And I'm not sure what that awakening is, but I'm, I'm for it. Like I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of crystals and things that I've been drawing lately and, um, you know, I probably sound too new agey and hippie-ish, but I think there's a lot of power to that. And I think that there's a lot of power in opening your, 
your mind to new possibility of spirituality. And I think that that's kind of where I'm at right now with painting. And I feel like I'm in like that weird phase of the Beatles where they went to India and started playing sitars and stuff. Yeah. But I really, it's, it's, I like it and I love it. And I feel like all the things that used to bother me about art are starting to not bother me as much. Like before I would get mad about something and it would bother me for a couple of days. And now I'm like, okay, I can breathe it in and I can breathe it out and be done with it in an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still trying to go with that. And I don't know. I think that, yes, I think it does play a role. Um, I'm not sure what that role is quite yet. I noticed that as I'm getting busier with art and there's been like more contracts to sign and more like the business side is getting crazier. Like I feel like meditation is something I'm going to have to start doing more just because like, yeah, I never thought it would get to this point. I thought I would, I don't know. I never really planned for this. So it's, it's, definitely exciting and mm-hmm. I feel like the more level-headed I can be about it the better yeah for sure so meditation is key I guess yeah I'm trying to get into it I mean it, but it's not even that new agey because like even my therapist no. was talking about it like it's a year really not ago, I so. mean like I feel like I don't know too too much about it and I don't know the the full span of history but I mean from what I kind of know it's definitely like old like yeah it's sent is it centuries? Absolutely. Centuries ago? Yeah. I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's not new. I think it's just it's it's rebirthing itself almost. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting too because like the line between praying praying and meditating is so fine that like it's it's pretty much the same thing. Like if yeah. you're praying, you're meditating. If you're meditating, you're basically praying to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when people like kind of define it differently is it's just semantics at that point. So whatever it is that can get you in tune with your body and your soul and your higher self, then that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. Yeah. That's awesome. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, like, the business side. Um, So what would you want people to know about that? Like, obviously, you're an artist. You're very creative. And you have a lot of things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, like, the business business aspect of it, like, I don't know. What would you want people to know about that? Um... I don't know if I want anybody to know anything. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I guess, the, like, what would you want to say goes into your work is, is what I mean. Like, I think lately it's been stressful because it's more business than than the art side of it. And mm-hmm. so I'm trying to find that line of, like, okay, if, if today is all about getting business done, then tomorrow has to be about painting. Because when I first started doing this, I would just... I was living in a townhouse at the time and I would just set up a whole art studio, basically, uh-huh. anywhere I could in that house. And so I had a little side patio and I would just paint and just I was just experimenting and seeing what mediums I loved and like one day I'd be cutting a a dinosaur toy out and putting a succulent in it the next day I would be like throwing paint at a canvas and then the next day I'd be doing watercolors the next day I'd be doing pastels and to me that was art school and that was like figuring out who I was as an artist you know and whether that was music or art or what maybe it was both and Mm -hmm. so I'm I, I miss a part of that exploration phase just because it was so freeing and now it's like I'm not complaining by any means because I think this year is going to be really, really exciting, but it is definitely trying to strike that, that fine line. So I guess, um, I don't know how much I want to talk about, but, or is there any advice that you could give to somebody who maybe wants to get into selling their art or finding that craft or just being a business person in general? I think Mm -hmm. selling your art should always be secondary to making your art. Mm -hmm. If you're making your art to sell it, then you are already losing and you're never going to get anywhere because no one wants to buy art that you're making to be sold. If that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. Like if you're painting something and going, oh, I'm like a hundred dollars off this. That doesn't mean anything. You're selling something that has no heart or soul to it. And so, Mm -hmm. but if you're selling something that is an extension of yourself and there's love and there's truth and there's authenticity in it, 
people pick up on that because there's a vibration to it and there's an energy vibration yeah. to it that you're going to look at and go, oh, okay, I feel that. Um, and so I think that's really important. And I think I got lucky and I mean, I wasn't lucky to lose my grandpa, but I got lucky in finding the positive side to it and getting that story early on and really being able to identify with that side of myself because yeah. I feel like the rest just kind of followed after that. Sure. Well, I mean, to me, it's such it's such a success to see somebody who's gone through a tough time and you had that bout of depression and struggled with um, with, you know, mental health issues and then being able to put that I guess fire in a sense into your craft. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I. Think, it's hard for me to say yes or no to that because yeah, I just kind of yeah. have been experiencing it, but I'm yeah, glad but that it's coming across. Like I that. think I think the best work really comes from like your inner self. So. Yeah, I hundred yeah. percent agree. Um, and like I said, I think this year is going to be exciting. I'm looking at opening a brick and mortar. Um, I'm just signed some contracts for some toys which is gonna be really exciting um i can't really say any more than that but the contracts are signed Uh um there's gonna be some really cool toys coming out this year because i've kind of done toys on my own budget Uh for the past couple years Uh and the first ones i did were resin and it was a design that i really cared about i worked with um one of the most famous sculptors in the toy world right now actually his name is uh, wetworks he's an amazing kid and so he helped me like navigate that you know, so I, I had no idea. I just knew I wanted to make toys. Yeah. Um, so that was the first toy that I made, and this last toy I made, they were um, they were three D molded and printed, and then I would customize each one. And so that was cool because I was able to actually showcase like a different side of toy making. Because I feel like I love technology, mm-hmm. and technology and artistry are one and the same. So if you can adopt new technology into your art, you're already one step ahead. Like I really want to get into VR right now because I feel like in five years, every visual artist is going to be working in VR. Yeah. You know, and so to be able to use 3D printed uh, toys, and I was able to make them so much bigger than the last ones. Uh-huh. I was able to not so much focus on the sculpting of them. Now I could focus on making each one unique, and so each one was a one of one. Each one had a you know a oh, unique cool. paint okay. job and things like that. And that was cool because we brought some to DesignerCon and they all sold out. And to me, that was like the biggest compliment in the world because DesignerCon, it's in Pasadena. All the world's biggest artists are there, like Tara McPherson and Alex Pardee. And um, we were in by Johnny Cupcakes. And uh, like it was crazy because there's so much competition that like you get intimidated. And every other year I've done it, I've just been like, oh, fuck, I'm not shit. Can I cuss on this? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not shit. You know, like I'm the world's worst artist and no one's buying my stuff because there's so much competition. And so I get all this anxiety. And this is the first year that I went into it and I took a deep breath and I said, this isn't about anything other than just showing what you can do. And mm-hmm. just hopefully people like it. And if they don't, that's fine. Just hit it harder next time. And so for this last designer con, I was working on it for like six months. I was okay. like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make sure that it looks good. I'm gonna make sure. I really made it a point to like, I want this to be my best showing yet. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a gallery space. Treat it like a store. And sure enough, like people really were receptive to it. And and it was funny because I I was doing some affirmations the night before and I was I was just I really wanted there to be people that lined up for the toys and as soon as the doors opened on that first day I had a line people ran with like lists they're like I have a list I want these I'm like oh this is like surreal to me yeah and so that was like I still love thinking about that just because like I never thought that that would happen in the sense Uh that I never thought that I'd be able to um release a toy and people care about it yeah you know and so i don't know i just thought that was so rad we actually sold out of most of them like in the first 15 minutes of the the trade show being open so that's it was crazy it was surreal that's so cool 
So where have where has been some places that your toys have been been so- sold or bought? Because I know you said that lady in Texas. Yeah. So buys them. Like, is there anywhere like really cool that you didn't expect? Or? Yeah. So I've self produced and self distributed all the toys that I've made. Um, cool. They've ended up in they've ended up in Austin. They've ended up in New York. They've ended up in Florida. They've ended up all over the country, and yeah. they've ended up overseas. Uh, they've been shipped to uh, I'm trying to think China. Um, Beijing and Seoul. Uh-huh. Um, they've been a couple people in Europe. I mean, they're they're worldwide at this point, which is super cool. But I always make it a point to make them extremely limited. Uh-huh. And so the first two I released, there's only twenty released. Um, ended up being a little uh, factory mishap, so I actually have more than twenty. So I had to like readjust all that stuff. And then the second line, there was I think there was twenty of those too. And so I make sure to like I really like numbering things and making sure people know that. There's not a million of these things being produced. Yeah. Like, if you want them, you're going to be one of the only people in the world to have it. And to me, that's cool because I, I was an art collector before I was an artist. And okay. so I was always really big on supporting artists and being like, oh, my oh my God, I have a one-of-one of, one of this artist? That's, I, feel, yeah. I feel hella cool right now, you right? know? yeah. And so I want to extend that into stuff that I make and hopefully that can resonate with somebody else, too. Yeah. So where do you see Depressed Monsters going from here? Do you have any goals of this year? Yeah, I want to um I want to be I'm trying to say I don't want to spill the beans on too much. <laughs> um I want this next toy that I release to be bigger than Furby's. That's what I'll say. All right, I'm excited to to see where this goes. I really, yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. There's a lot of cool stuff happening this year. I'm trying, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff happening this year. Awesome. So you have to follow Instagram to find out. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, we'll have all of that where people can find you and all that good stuff and keep up with the story. Sounds good. Oh, um, I did want to ask, when people are coming up to you and Yerman and Depressed Monsters is new to them. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of, oh, what does this mean? Or do, do you try to explain the story behind, like if you're at a market or whatever? Yeah, I think it depends on the context of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm doing a public speaking event, then obviously people hear the whole story. Um, yeah. It's interesting because when I do public speaking events, it's usually at um, organizations that deal with mental health uh, discussions and things. So okay. you have a lot of people that will come up and say, um, I've never heard it explained in such an approachable way. That's exactly what I'm dealing with. And then I'll hear their story. And honestly, like hearing someone else's story of depression is such a thing of trust that I never want to take it lightly. And so yeah. I, I listen and I respond and I say, listen, I'm not a, a licensed um, therapist, but this is what helped me and maybe it can help you too. There's been a lot of people that have drawn their own monsters over the years. I've had a lot of fan art of Yerman. Um, a lot of people That's have made cool. their own creatures, which I think is so cool. Um, so yeah, if, if it's, if a public speaking event, people will definitely respond in like a, thank you for sharing your story. Can I please share my story? Of course you can. Let's, you know, let's talk about it. Um, and then if I'm at a trade show, uh, a lot of people, we ha- so I have a neon sign now. And so a lot of people are like, Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is cool. And then, uh, well, actually, you know, we, we deal with, uh, you know, stigma of mental health. Like this is what the, the company means because I don't want people to just go, you're using depression as a tool to market yourself because mm-hmm. I'm not like I'm, I suffer from depression too. And I want right. to make sure that Such like, a you real know, story. yeah, that yeah. I'm adding to the community. I'm trying to help alleviate a stigma around it. And yeah. so it's always the forefront of conversation. Yeah. Well, I think to, th- this is something that has come up a lot in my personal life and conversation with the people that I know here, um, conscious buying yeah. and, um, like kind of knowing the story of how, 
this art piece or this toy is, is come to be and and why it's important to support that artist yep yeah i try to source all of the fabric that we use for the clothing in america that's really important to me i don't i don't want to um I don't want to use sweatshops or child labor or anything like that. Uh, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so I try to source all the all the shirts from the U.S. Uh, when I can, all the hats, all things like that. It does become a little difficult when you're making custom made things. Sure. So um, I just try to le- I try to avoid it as much as possible. I know there's the, the, the whole thought of well, if I don't see it, then it's not real. But to me, it is real. It's like very if, real. Yeah, yeah. Like if I'm putting something out, I don't want to ever be attributed to something terrible with that it's clothing. It's such a chain reaction. I don't think people know that. And I did not know about, I didn't know that about your product. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I got to do a better awesome. job of marketing myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's really cool. And I think a lot, uh, at least this community, they're very open to that. And yeah. um, the whole buying local shop, small movement, I think is very real here. Agreed. hundred percent. And it's really big in, uh, in Portland too. We just went to Portland a couple months ago, and it's oh, yeah? so inspired by. Oh, like, I haven't been. Oh, it's one of the awesome. places I want to go. Um, but yeah, it's like it's super important to me. I think I, you know, I, I said it earlier, but I, I feel like there is an energy attributed to goods that you buy, and if mm-hmm. you're going to buy something made in a sweatshop, you're going to feel that vibration and realize, oh, there's something that might be negative to this. Yeah. And so I never want that attributed with something that is so personal to me, and I make sure like anything that we put out, you know, whether we ship a thousand shirts in a month or whether we ship two months or two shirts in a month. I make sure that it is folded and tagged and inspected by myself to make sure that it is meeting the quality of like what I want to put out because I think that's important. Like, yeah. you should never put out something that's not your best foot forward. And that's just, you know, I guess that I was taught that at a young age or something, but that's super, super important to me. So um, if you've bought a shirt, you've got some of my hair on it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's great. No, I think you explained that really, really well. So, um, but I want to start wrapping it up we'll get into the last questions i like to ask everybody so anybody who hasn't explored vegas or they're new or they're a tourist what would you like them to know grouchy john's is the best coffee shop in town all right number one i'm gonna write that down because did you mention that last time yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) so grouchy john's rules i feel a very strong connection to them they helped me in a very tough time it's going um water street is super dope if you go to henderson yeah hendertucky hendertucky what that's what the locals call it i'm not sure if that's offensive if that's offensive i'm very sorry i just have heard a lot of people call it hendertucky that's that's new to me that's hilarious um so yeah so water street's really cool uh there's goldmine tavern right there there's a brewery right across the street that we haven't been to yet but i really want to go um, they have a, they were having an event there, I think like second Saturday for a while, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, Water and, Street needs some love. It's a cool place. Yeah. Well, they have, um, last Friday. They do last Friday. That's Fridays. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, I've only gone to one. I'm hoping to get, um, the founder on the podcast, but I know they're. Kristen? Who founded it? I see. I know the girl who does like the. I'm pretty sure she does the social media and like the event coordinating. Her name's Summer. Oh, okay. She's pre- yeah, she's pretty rad. Um, Every time I hear that name, I think of Napoleon Dynamite. But for Summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Summer's probably she's like I hate you. Yeah, right. You're the worst. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. Um, no, I don't. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but yeah, they're come. I think they're starting back up in March. Sweet. Yeah, so. I think that's a great event. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's always really cool. Um, I gotta give a shout out to the Neon Valley Showcase at the Brooklyn Bowl once a month. We're highlighting all up and coming artists of Vegas. Like I said, we're branching out into other other uh, mediums as well. I just think it's like I said this to the Vegas Seven already, but I it's a love letter to Las Vegas. Like it is mm. truly 
something that I am passionate and I love and I'm so glad that Brooklyn Bowl was on board to do it too because I think it's like such a it's such a courageous thing to do to bank on local talent and something that right. not anybody else in town would do mm-hmm. and so I think that's really cool um, I'm going to be working with Emerge coming up so Emerge is going to be really cool so everyone check out Emerge when that comes by I feel like I'm just saying everything that Shabriel said in the last episode oh, um, as far as other places go downtown is the place to be of course come check oh, out yeah. Ferguson's I heard Ferguson's is going to have a really cool brick and mortar shop soon that sells all kinds of cool yearments. I mean all kinds of cool stuff <laughs> Um, <laughs> sneak peek. Sneak peek. Um, so yeah, uh, downtown's place to be, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't go out that much anymore. I see a lot of movies. Yeah. yeah. What was, what was the most recent movie you saw? What was the most recent movie you saw? We walked out of that one. Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we saw Lady Bird a little bit ago. Um, see a lot of superhero movies, but yeah, I love the movies. You gonna go see Black Panther? Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. One of my friends produced it. Nate produced it. Wait for real? Yeah, he. Uh, I met him through another friend, but uh, yeah, every time we go to Comic Con, we see him, and he was telling us about Black Panther like two years ago. What? Yeah, and he was like, he's like, dude, we just started working on Black Panther. This movie's gonna be awesome. He just got done doing the Captain America movie. Uh huh. Because I was like, dude, Captain America was better than than Force Awakens, and he's like, oh, come on, it's a huge compliment, but thank you. <laughs> and then uh, he started talking about Black Panther, and he was just yeah. talking about how like it was gonna use like futuristic uh, African designs in the clothing and how like you know it's just gonna be like basically like this is a love letter to the Afri- african-american community and mm-hmm. like we want to make this as awesome as possible yeah. and i think i mean from the trailers i've seen it looks like it's it true looks, to that testament yeah it looks dope as hell it really does i can't wait to see the soundtrack's awesome too yeah that's what i've been hearing a lot yeah. of people are like so excited for that yeah i'm but. really excited to see that <laughs> but um other than grouchy john's i know you love yeah. what are some other places <laughs> you guys like to hang out Anywhere there's coffee, uh, we're usually hanging out with coffee. And you want to get closer to the mic and talk talk about where we hang out? <laughs> I, did, I tried so so hard last time, like when I did it. To I know. Yeah. I, mean, like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Let me think for a second. Um, if you want to give some plugs or something like that while I uh, while I think, that would help me a little bit. <laughs> we'll do bit. some Jeopardy music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm downtown like every day, so anything downtown is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Go to Public Us a lot. Love Public Us. Mm, Love yes. Lane over there at Public Us, he's awesome. Um, we do, uh, uh, oh, uh, Ichabod is really cool. I almost didn't say it because I didn't want everybody to know, but that place is awesome. Oh, I, don't like, know. I, I was like, I said it and I was trying to like bring it back <laughs> into my mouth. I was like, Ichabod, oh God, I said it. Um, that place is awesome. Love that place. Okay, well, you have to tell um, me what that is afterwards because I haven't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a cool place. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Pepper Mill is awesome. If you go to, Pe- have you ever been to Pepper Mill? Nope. Pepper Mill's awesome. And then go through Circus Circus afterwards. Like oh, the, do like the, the casino? Yeah. Wait, so what's Pepper Mill? Yeah, so Circus that? Circus is like, they filmed parts of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in there. So like what, the part what? where they're on the carousel. I'm still so, such a newbie. I don't even know what that is. Do you know who uh, Hunter S. Thompson is? Oh, you got some research <laughs> to do. I know. Yeah. I, I, tr- I moved here. No, I, the first time I came here, it was two weeks before I moved out here. So I literally know nothing i'm still learning that's awesome though it's like a fresh look at the city yeah i guess cool. yeah yeah go to circus circus check out all the weirdness there and then head across <laughs> the street to pepper mill it's pretty cool i love that little area right there okay. there's a lot of cool stuff in town every day there's something else yeah that's I mean, crazy it seems like every night there's some sort of cool like event or workshop or something happening yep yeah absolutely yeah we were just talking about that yesterday we went to like i said earlier we went to the boulder city uh 
damn festival out there. And we're just, I've always wanted to go into that, that theater and it was, it's open for the weekend and we're sitting there and we're looking at it and all of a sudden they, they, we found out that, uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. owns it. Who's, uh, the son of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And he grew up like okay. watching I Love Lucy being filmed. I'm like, dude, this city is just oh like my God, that's so crazy. Cool. I really would I, I truly wouldn't have known that. I yeah. feel like there's there's just so much to do and to the history behind it of Vegas. Like, I, I don't know. There needs to be a textbook or something. Yeah, maybe that's That's the next that's the next thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do all the illustration for it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> this is Desi Arnaz Jr. It looks like nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. But um, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on depressedmonsters.com. You can find me, it's at depressedmonsters on Instagram. And it was a little too long for Twitter, so it's at depressedmonsters, but with no vowels. So gotcha. I don't want to spell that, but... That's kind of like a cool thing that people are doing, like movement watches or... Yeah, just... take out the vowels. Yeah. Makes Who everything needs them? look cool. Except for my <laughs> name, it'd be like, why sometimes a vowel? So it'd just be like RN or... An, What's up? I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, you can find me there. Um, you can find the clothes on the sites I mentioned earlier. You can find the toys on the site. Um, yeah, you can find me uh, once a month at Brooklyn Bowl for the Neon Valley Showcase. I'm so Make sure excited I say for that. that again. Yeah. Um, we have the new lineup. Well, I guess this is going to air in a month, so... Yeah, this will be in March. Yeah, so uh, I guess I can act like it already happened, but... Uh, when is it? So the next one's going to be March 8th. Oh, and so that this will be great because this is this will come out the second. Oh, so. perfect. Okay, cool. So I'm sure I'm gonna assume it's already been announced, but we have uh, Chop 808, um, Von Chop Kim. 808 shout out. He does yeah. my theme music. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Chopster. Love ya. Yeah. So Chop's playing. He's opening. Then Von Kim, and then uh, my friend Echo is headlining, and Echo's awesome. Chop's awesome too. Sorry, I didn't mean to like <laughs> say one's better than the other. Um, it's gonna be an awesome night of music. And yeah. Then, Trying to figure out a visual artist to paint for the night, mm-hmm. and then uh, hopefully I have that figured out by the time this airs. And then uh, I really want to showcase some local filmmakers and things like that too. So, but it's just been an awesome experience all around. I mean, uh, Chris over at Brooklyn Bull has been—it's been awesome working with him. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really rad event. So, anybody listening, so. when this comes out, I guess a week or six days later, go to go to this event. Yeah, It'll be really cool. I wonder if I could like. Never mind. I was going to say, like, oh, what if I can tell the future and, like, something that happens in March? Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) This just in. Yeah, this drops on March 1st? 2nd. Okay, so today is March 2nd, and Donald Trump said something stupid. There we go. There we go. (laughs) That's getting cut. (laughs) No, we're we're keeping it in there. It's there now. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Gather round for a story about how these guys were way too nice. Mama taught me. Only to speak the truth and speak when you're spoken to But don't you start talking back, don't do that because it's rude Boy, close your mouth where you chew Make sure that you're nice to others, especially if they're nice to you Daddy taught me, always stand up for yourself And if you can't depend on no one, then depend on yourself Because one day you'll have a family who'll depend on you too And just maybe you'll find a wife with the same morals as you Well, one day, a girl that I grew close to Was having problems with her ex dude, being handsy and disrespectful So I handled it, gave him hands and shit Arm around and gave a head a kiss Walked off into the sunset, optimistic as to what's next. what's next Weeks of us playing phone tag, had peace of nights at her pad I met family and pressed dad, locking eyes made her blush bad After all that, I figured she'd be my girlfriend, right? She said she ain't seen me that way and I was too nice Well, no more Mr. Nice Guy, I've been waiting 
at a festival, put you on a pedestal. Yeah. Mama said, don't you fall in love and eat your vegetables. You do I was it. just too busy taking care of you. Said you were too busy for anyone to even care for you. Tell me what's the issue then? On a roll like Michelin. Taking steps back and now you only want to be friends. What? I thought it was cool, we hit it off on that first day. Little did I know you was fucking on my roommate. Night of the Bellagio, said you never let me go. No more Mr. Nice Guy, you putting on your own coat. Saving for a rainy day, I just want the pain to leave. Having other niggas filling up your empty vacancies. Still the same address, you just in a different room. Water on the concrete, you can watch the flower bloom. I would wish you well and say I hope to see you soon. But you ain't my problem now, pass them all and me down. No more Mr. Nice Guy, I've been waiting too long. You need to make up your mind, you don't know what you want. You can't say it's my fault, God's been treating you bad. I never do you like that, yet I'm too nice. Well, no more Mr. Nice Guy, I've been holding your doors. Give you a coat, keep you warm, shoulder for you to cry on. Can't say I'm doing this wrong, I give you all that I have. They never do you like that, yet I'm too nice. Well, no more missing. Shit, but somehow I need to You say I'm too this, you say I'm too them That shit is whack, I'm just a distraction Go focus on rap, like what the fuck He knocked you down, I picked you up Broke you down, I built you up Everything I helped you fix, you bring him around to fuck it up And I'm supposed to sit here like It's okay, and just pat you on your back And then ask about your day Uh, nah, that is not some shit That I am okay with at all, yeah You gon' have to find another nigga you can call Cause I invested time, invested heart Into this shit, if you tell me I'm too You were just listening to the newest single called Mr. Nice Guy by It's Ray Guest featuring Poppy Chulo Tish. You can find both of these local artists on Instagram uh, and SoundCloud. You can listen to Mr. Nice Guy. The link will be in the description, but please make sure you go follow them on Instagram uh, at It's Ray I Guess and at Poppy Chulo Tish. When I heard this song debut on Valentine's Day, I immediately had to reach out to Ray. Uh, because I just knew this song had to be featured on the Socialista podcast, and I thought this episode would be a great way to showcase his newest single. So please make sure you go check them both out and follow our local artist here. I would love to say a big thank you to Ryan of Depressed Monsters. Our conversation was truly eye-opening, and it was so wonderful getting to know another local Vegas artist who... I had just met the week before we recorded, so getting to know him better on a personal level and uh, on a creative level, knowing more about uh, Yerman and his business, The Press Monsters, was truly such a wonderful opportunity, and it is a... It is one that I will definitely hold close to my heart. Ryan's story is truly one of perseverance and being able to overcome the stigma around mental health and overcome his his bouts of depression and anxiety and using his art 
as a tool to help him to get through those really dark moments that he was talking about. And I really commend him for being such a pioneer here in Las Vegas and his audience and really doing the job of just talking about mental health, talking about depression, talking about anxiety and telling people, you know, it's okay to be sad, stay sad and use those emotions and talk about them. Um, That was really one of the key the key things I took away from our conversation and I'm really excited to see where he goes with the press monsters I know he has a lot of exciting things coming up um, so definitely go check him out uh, you can go to his website it's depressedmonsters.com or follow him on instagram at depressed monsters and uh, twitter as well at depressed monsters but like he said no vowels so i'm sure if you search it you will find it as always i would like to give a quick shout out to ferguson's downtown for letting me record at their tiny home park as well as to Chop808 for the theme music and Abby Paulus for the graphic art. Please make sure you go follow me on my Instagram and all my social media. It's always linked down below. And you can email me any questions or anything you want to talk about. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Socially the Podcast on iTunes. Make sure you come back next Friday for another exciting episode with Adam from Pretty Done.